techniques. Okay, with that, let's actually um, start the show. I think I've tweeted out to everyone. I've uh, put the comments. Uh, I put the link in the comments. I've put the link on YouTube uh, in the chat. Okay. So I think we're pretty good. We're good. So let's go. Normally, I would say something like, "Welcome to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space." I'm Carter Laren, and I'm here with the Bad Mama Jam and my co-host Carrie. Hi, Carrie. There's Hi, Carter. Yay. <laughs> Hi, guys. You can go to unsafespace.com where we ought to just build our own uh, video publishing site, um, mm -hmm. clearly. And uh, you can follow us on YouTube at Unsafe Space. Uh, we're actually also on Gab at Unsafe, I think, is our handle on Gab. Um, today, we have a special guest who has been patient, has been like half an hour worth of patience so far, sitting around waiting for us to pull our heads out of our asses. Uh, Pat Dixon. Pat is a New York City podcaster and comic and the host of the only comedy podcast dedicated to reporting the most violent, bizarre, and newsworthy crimes as sensationally reported in the New York Post and Daily News. As a national touring stand-up for over 20 years, he's been almost everywhere, and he can be seen regularly in clubs in New York. Pat, welcome. Thank you for your patience. I'm thrilled to be here. You know, the, it's funny because I actually had to cancel a show to be here. Uh. And, and the show that I canceled <laughs> is called Safe Space. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To do unsafe space. Well, unsafe space is better despite technical difficulties because uh, you're allowed to say whatever you want. Um, so how can right. people follow you or pay attention to what you're doing, Pat? What, what's the best way for them to, to follow you? I don't even know anymore. All right, then. Joking. I, you have a Twitter handle. Joking. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I, 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 uh, yeah, Twitter handle's at Pat Dixon. And uh, yeah, that's as good a way as any. CrimeReport.nyc is kind of a place that I post a lot of podcasts and stuff. So that's a good place to go. CrimeReport.nyc. Cool. Yeah. So let's get Pat. I'm just going to jump into it since we've already lost like half an hour. Um, you can say the word wasted, I, I wasted. Uh, I was really <laughs> excited to have you on because so for people who don't know, uh, which I guess if you watch the show, you would. But uh, I used to be I worked in comedy as a manager for I don't know, what, 10 years or something. And I didn't know Pat then, but we I'm sure we know a lot of people in common. And uh, one of the things I noticed in comedy because well, it was my uh, my intention was to push this SJW, what I call the SJW ideology, uh, through comedy or through entertainment, and uh, and I saw it taking, and at least from my perspective, it seems to have taken root, especially in the past five years. Comedy seems to be changing, and so I would just love to hear from a comedian. Is that in my head, or do you do you think comedy has been changing in the past few years? Is it noticeable? I mean, changing comedy is like changing the weather or something. It's like they have no power to change comedy. I mean, like if I'm looking at comedy like in a broad sense, saying like, you know, what they're creating isn't necessarily comedy, you know? And, and so, I mean, the idea of selling something as something other than it is is probably not new, but uh, it doesn't work with comedy because, you know, with comedy, there's an instantaneous, uh, you know, approval, disapproval, you know, metric called laughter. <laughs> and if people aren't doing it, then it's uh, it's not successful comedy. And people will never laugh at Nanette or, uh, you know, a lot of the other comedians that they try and, and put forth. So I have noticed it, uh, the attempt. I think that an article that I read in uh, The Guardian, I believe it was, uh, it, it was just uh, this outlandish story. And, and it was talking about the new comics and how they are 
you know, redefining what comedy is. And they're trying, you know, you hear a lot of redefinition of comedy, you know, that's really important. Mm -hmm. Expanding the boundaries of comedy, uh, you know, because they, they can't just say, well, no, it's funnier than the other guys. Uh, it's, uh, and, and it, it, that article amounted to a declaration of war. So yeah, I, I've noticed it, but. Was uh, that the article that basically said, um, laughter doesn't matter anymore as a, as a metric? I'm sure that it did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that it did. Uh, people who say that are, you know, and, and I'll tell you a reason a lot of this happens is, um, you know, when, when you start to like want a certain thing talked about in, in clubs or whatever, uh, you know, and, and, and you promote, uh, it, it's sort of like how, uh, how do I put it? You know, like, a like if somebody is strictly speaking a diversity hire, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and, and they're there to represent, and this is in any company, you know, then you're, you're making kind of like the job secondary, right? You know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like the post office saying, well, delivering letters isn't really important anymore, you know? Uh, or it's, a, it's a chief function. Of com it's what makes comedy comedy. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting kind of time we're living in, isn't it? Well, so what was, I, I was, uh, one of my favorite things about zombie movies, let me take a little departure for a second, is the beginning of a zombie movie where you start to see that something's different, like where the people are encountering something different, but they don't yet realize they're living in a new world. When is they're just starting to notice that the, something's changing? Sure. And I kind of view PC culture like that, where people come into contact with it in different ways, where they maybe don't realize yet. It's, they just think it's one odd occurrence that, they, that happened to them, or they notice something odd happened. But they don't yet realize they're living in this new world. Mm -hmm. um, were there some of those kind of signs, I would say, like in comedy, where you were like, this is kind of strange that this is happening? Or um, sure. were there any sort of warning signs that this... PC culture was becoming big. Well, I I think you know more recently, I guess. I mean, the, the them trying to take down Louis C.K. The kind of uh, you know they they really tried to take uh, Louis C.K. and turn him into Bill Cosby. I think you know that was the whole idea. Like they're like, well, hey, he's just another comedian. So yeah, uh, you know they get you to. Um, I think as I started to see how they were equating, uh, you know, trying to kiss somebody or something like that with, and, and truly being mistaken about it as that becomes, you know, another rape victim in the list. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, which it's, uh, it's not nice or maybe it's, or it's, it's a mistake or whatever, but it is a rape. Uh, then they can say like equate, you know, from comedian to comedian, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it was kind of a reach, uh, the thing that made me happy about the Louis C.K. thing, though, is that, you know, he really did come back hard. I think he can only do comedy one way, and that's, like, excellently. And uh, he uh, <laughs> is going to go ahead and say everything he has to say, and that's that's really crucial. The idea of uh, social justice is so incompatible with comedy anyway, you know, with all these, like, uh, that you're supposed to, like, sing the praises of everyone or something or congratulate everybody or, you know, wh whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing. It's not funny. Uh, you can't get last with it, but you asked me about signs and, you know, a few years ago, I stopped doing racial jokes altogether. Uh, after mm. someone threw a glass at me. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I don't think that that was, it might not that might not have been connected to social justice. I think that guy was just a, a redneck, <laughs> but 
but I also uh, wanted to make sure that I didn't, I didn't want to leave, you know, for me personally, it was, a, it was actually a good choice. Uh, so, you know, I, I, as I try to think of signs, I'd be curious to hear what you have to say as a comedy manager, you know, because like I, sometimes comedians live inside their heads a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, well, some of the early signs, I mean, again, I used to be, I was pushing this ideology. So, um, I was so you quite were happy when you were declaring victory on these things. Yeah. I thought <laughs> I was one of those people who, uh, when the whole rape, remember the rape joke controversy, and uh, Lindy West, the uh, feminist b blogger. Wait, wait, I, I'm a lay person. What are you talking about? Tell people because uh, he might remember the rape joke thing. <laughs> I don't. I mean, <laughs> so that means our audience probably doesn't. What are you talking about? Uh, there was a piece written about a comedian. Was it Tosh? Yeah, Tosh was uh, in California, and uh, I, uh, he was doing a set, and a woman uh, took offense or whatever. It became a heckling thing, and then he said something about. Uh, you know, wouldn't it be funny if this one got gang raped right now? You know, so he made a joke. And then this, there was a big piece that went around, and then a lot of the the SJW journalists and bloggers started writing about it, and it became this big co online conversation that was happening in the comedy world and in the SJW world about whether you can do rape jokes or not. Uh, and at the time, I was executive producing what I considered to be an SJW late night show called Totally Bias. And uh, we did a whole episode, we did a whole segment about the rape joke controversy. And I, I mean, that was one of those things where as someone who believed, I was a true believer, you know, I'm like, we're doing good. <laughs> like <laughs> we're changing the world. And <laughs> so, I mean, looking back on it, that whole show actually was a sign because I couldn't have imagined a show like that getting made 10 years prior. And I felt like, oh, we've come so far. We're doing a show where we talk about toxic masculinity and cultural appropriation and you know <laughs> all of these fucking buzzwords. And now, uh, excuse my language. And now it's uh, it's kind of mainstream. Then I started to see comics who had never done that kind of material doing shows like that. Like Moshe Kasher did uh, Problematic, and I'm like, why is he? He did. I never saw him doing that kind of comedy before. And suddenly it was like comics that had never even touch dip their toe into the SJW world we're doing jokes about the same kind of stuff uh it became it seemed to me anyway it was becoming mainstream right oh okay so so Moshe Kasher is an example of uh the mainstream to you I don't uh, know <laughs> well he had a, <laughs> I mean, well yeah, he got the comedy no I just mean I just that's mean a true that. insider right there a true insider <laughs> in order to get like a a, a television show it was like then people were sort of having to put forth some of these uh, tenets of belief. It seemed that way to me anyway. I so you're saying it. people exploit the virtue signaling of the left to further their careers, Carrie? That's uh, <laughs> can't <laughs> can't fathom this. <laughs> is, is it? Is it? That, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. I was going to say that is a sign, though, that it is kind of like uh, you know the the the, the bubble is uh, is getting larger and you know popping all over us uh, when, when, you know, it becomes a mainstream deal like that, I guess is what you meant. I mean, like we exploit it. I mean, it's been exploited or whatever. Uh, but, uh, just, uh, I think, uh, it's, it's, it's a good point. 
that um, when it becomes, when, when we think of mainstream, you know, we're talking about everybody's talking about it on Twitter or everybody's talking about it on online and stuff like that. And that leaves out all these people that pay to see comedy shows everywhere, all the people that they supposedly want watching their television shows. And uh, it's like, that is a good point. Completely different world. You know, the online is like gone. It's like a snake pit. We've, uh, we've lost that battle, that, that war there. That is a good point. I, I I sometimes forget that because I'm so focused on that very vocal minority. And it may be a minority, but they have a lot of power. They have a big voice. They certainly do. They're very effective, too. I mean, you can lose your job. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's terrible. It really is. I think it's a terrible thing. Are the comedians themselves bought in or are they just like, I'm just going to shut my mouth and pretend to be bought in on this so I don't, you know, get kicked off stage? You know, I think uh, it, it, there's probably both kinds, uh, you know, and, and, but a certain percentage of comics are like this. They, uh, you know, a lot of stand-ups don't pay attention to politics or, you know, social whatever, you know, they just kind of go and get laughs. So like a guy will, you know, who doesn't know anything about anything, will uh, say in 2016 or 15, he mentioned Trump on stage and he got a little laugh and he's like, mm, okay. And then the, the, so for the late show, he goes back and he goes, he, he expands on it a little bit. And now, you know, he, he's getting an applause break. And then, you know, by the weekend, it's like, you know, Trump fucked a dog, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and people are ah, all the rebookings and everything and then when you go well what do you really think about all this you know and they go uh well my trumpet's killing uh, yeah <laughs> yeah fair yeah that's a very pragmatic approach <laughs> yeah are do you uh like you've heard like mainstream like so when i hear, think about mainstream comedians i think about people like jerry seinfeld but like years ago they would uh, you know, they told us they weren't going to perform on college campuses anymore. People like Seinfeld, Seinfeld because the, and the audiences. Rock. Yeah, and Chris Rock because the audiences were so uh, hypersensitive. Um, is, have Do you think that's the case generally or is it just college campuses or like have you know, do you get you're you're out about not being a social justice warrior. Like, <laughs> right, right, you're, right. You're, you're out as a Trump voter. So like what how, like how do you get treated? You're out as a Trump voter? Well, uh, I guess I am now. Yeah, okay, I am. Uh, yeah your I, uh, Proud Boys shirt didn't give anything uh, away. I'm just sort of hoping that nobody does their research at this point. Uh, I, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I, I don't, look, I mean, my approach to comedy is different. I just like, I'm just going to, I don't, I would perform for any SJW audience anytime and I would do great. You know, I, I don't have any uh, fear of that. Like, I can I can talk for an hour and never bring anything up that's going to offend anybody. I prefer not to have to do that, of course. But uh, is is it like that across? A, you know what? It's it's really not. It's really the audiences are audiences still. You know, and it's great uh, performing in New York. There's a lot of tourists who come, and uh, they're not as infected with all this stuff as the Upper West Side. You know. And they uh, have a completely different attitude, you know. I mean, they're kind of relieved when they, you know, uh, when you're talking about, when, well, when you're not bashing. or When, when I see guys trying to get political uh, and they do the things sometimes in the clubs that they do if they're open mics uh, or whatever, you know, occasionally you see that kind of thing. That, uh, that gives you an idea of the excellent class of clubs I'm working, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they, uh, you know, they try to, like, just... Uh, 
preach to the converted or whatever. And those and the, the converted are not always in the clubs, but you know, they have of course the strength of their convictions that they're right, you know, racism's bad or whatever, which I think, uh, you know, racism being bad is not really a political point anyway, is it? I mean, I think yeah. it's something that everybody agrees on. Either, it, it, yeah. No, it's it's sort of a, yeah, it's sort of a fake kind of an issue, you know? I mean, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's you're raising an issue and fighting a battle that really isn't there, or, you know, they are, or whatever. So, like, uh, when, when someone's picking a fight with you about something you don't even care about, then, like, I guess the tendency is to cave. So I guess a lot of that goes on, too. But, you know, the, when we think of it as, as sensitivity, it, it's, it's really not. It's... Uh, you know, it's it's a power move. It's control. Mm-hmm. It's a, and I think, uh, and and I'm obviously you aware of that, but like until we uh, kind of start looking at it as what people used to think of uh, them, people so snowflakes and they're so you know oh gosh they're so weak and they're so vulnerable and all that and and you know, that sort of mockery doesn't work because uh, it's it isn't really they know it isn't true. You know, I mean, they, they're they're looking, they love you, you being using being offended to get something you want or to stop something from happening is like, uh, it's, it's so common now. And, you it's know, so authoritarian. They're like little is. tyrants. Mm-hmm. They're little control freaks. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah it's it, and that's uh it, we gotta you know we think of them as and, and again you know there's like they're little tyrants they're little but you know they're adults walking around voting you know i mean they're the enemy they, they're a serious thing you know i mean like uh they uh they it could be a it could be a big problem uh if they can shut enough people up and get enough people scared and uh, i i don't see how they haven't done that yet because almost everybody you talk to is afraid to talk about this stuff Mm-hmm. It seems like everyone is not everyone. Uh, you aren't, but I think a lot of people are self-censoring. Obviously, right? Totally. Oh no, I'm totally self-censoring. I, if I was oh, saying are. all the things I want to say right now, <laughs> oh my god! No, no, no. No, I. It's uh, yeah. I mean, everybody. I mean, but all human beings are to a point, you know. I mean, uh, and uh, yeah, but I they they are self-censoring. You're right. They they prefer not to. Uh, get involved it's like they don't have a conviction in all this they don't really realize how important it is to be able to say what you want mm-hmm. and, it, and it is just crucial because they've equated free speech with uh racism you know the worst thing you can be is a racist i mean you get fired for it and and like all that stuff and and you lose your i mean you're a complete uh, outcast mm-hmm. and uh it's funny how how they if you are one step off, if you're one quarter turn away from believing what they believe, then you're a Nazi. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's as simple right. as that. And so and there's so many more Nazis now than there used to be. I think I think that's I've noticed that too. The whole uh, calling everyone a Nazi became really popular after Trump won, and um, I think part of that is just so they can. They can try and defend violence against people they don't like. So, um, who was it? It was uh, Nick DiPaolo who got punched in the face recently after a show by a feminist. About and a year ago, right? But yeah, something like that. I just heard yeah. about it. But um, I think that's kind of it's crazy because on the one hand they're declaring places like comedy clubs to be hate hate free zones, and and people are having to sign contracts about the, what they won't say and. But but then they have no problem with being actually physically violent yeah. against someone who they deem to be a Nazi. Well, and people see these cases and they go and they consider it to be an outlier. You know, oh my God, you believe the nerve on that girl? Well, she must have had her period. You know, but like <laughs> uh, 
it's serious. It's like that. That's that's the norm. It really is, and that's and that's what that kind of thinking leads to. That like like you said, forgiving violence against Nazis and stuff like that. That the ends justify the means, or the you know they. I think they think that the the intent justifies the means. You know, it, it's okay yeah. to you know so long as you're trying to do the right thing, it's it's fine if a few. Uh, guys get falsely accused. I have no problem with that. I mean, you hear that a lot. Like, oh yeah, don't you, you don't hear what you're saying. All these concepts they have are completely un- incompatible with uh, the justice system and and every tradition that we have as Americans. And yet we think that oh, that's just they're overstepping there or whatever. And like nobody really wants to give it a lot of thought. But I mean, like I, I mean, for me as a comedian you know, being able to say what you want or think what you want. And even before I was a comedian, it was just the kind of thing that, uh, you know, we were talking before the show that, uh, and, and Carrie's an oldest, right? Sibling, but I'm the, I'm a youngest. And so as a youngest sibling, everybody's telling you to shut up all the time, you know? And if you're the oldest, you're the one telling people to shut up all the time, usually, <laughs> you know? So it's funny that you used to be, uh, you know, advocating for social justice like this. Thank God that you're not. You know? <laughs> I'm sure you're a powerful weapon, but, um, you know, uh, it, it's always been important to me to be able to say those kind of things or, or say whatever. And, and so, like, I, I get really, uh, you know, worked up anyway over people trying to censor other people. It's natural. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Is I, comedy, I don't know I... Is, is there anything special about, like, a lot of people, when they think about free speech, they think about, like, Martin Luther King should be able to speak, even if the, you know, the, the powers that be don't like what he has to say or whatever. But, and comedy, to, I think to a lot of people, comedy sound, feels like it's not important in the sense that, like, uh, you know, comedians aren't out running for president or making huge political speeches. They're just making you laugh. Um, but it also seems to be, like, the easiest place to detect that there's a censorship train coming um, because it seems to be the easiest. And once you censor comedy, you're actually censoring what people laugh at, which is kind of a weird self-censor thing, like – now I'm not supposed to find something funny because they've said that's bad, which now I have to like censor my own psychology because laughter is very involuntary and comedians have to kind of censor what they're even thinking about. It seems like a pretty insidious uh, way to start going after free speech. Wow. What a great point because it climbs right into your head and goes to the heart of your most natural instincts, you know, uh, to, to laugh at something that's funny. And I think that they will be, uh, I think that they're going to find that that's insurmountable. I don't, I don't really think people are willing to self-censor themselves psychologically out of a good time, you know, after they've worked all week, you know, and paid their money, you know, and stuff. They, like, they want to laugh and they don't have any choice. You know, laughter is not always a voluntary thing, you know. Uh, now with SJW comedians, the audience will you you'll hear a lot of like voluntary laughter and a lot of like forced laughter i noticed that uh at one time that became like the worst kind of comedian to follow because an audience really feels put upon by that kind of thing when they know that somebody is um intersectional enough to where you know they they intuit that they have to sort of like you know work a little harder as an audience to make sure that this person is a success and they will and they resent it and mm-hmm. if you follow someone like that, you really better be funny because they have all their benefit of the doubt is gone. They're tired. Like, yeah. And especially you come up as a white man after that, you know, uh, especially someone in their, you know, however old I am, uh, who was uh, <laughs> in their 40s, who was like, you know, uh, 
not not someone that they're supposed to like necessarily automatically approve of you know and and yeah so it being an involuntary deal climbing into people's heads like that that is the idea and that's why attacking comedy is important comedy is really the only weapon that there is against uh, this kind of thing because i mean you know you cannot debate it you can't there's there's no debating with uh you know you're talking to a wall you know so mm -hmm. uh with with comedy um as they as they do try and attack that and and do that yeah it, it people have to re people, people self-censor their laughter too. If, um, and that's, I mean, that's always gone on, you know, like, uh, just as an example, if you're talking to a group of people and, uh, and say for whatever reason, say you're in, uh, I don't know, Iowa or, uh, Idaho or Montana. And, and there's two black people in the room and, and the rest are white. They will sort of like take their cues on anything that seems to like, skate close to uh, a, you know a race a racial thing and they're very careful about this you know i mean you can see how browbeaten audiences are by the by the way they'll stifle and and sort of like wait and see because so many things that we used to think were okay aren't now and that's why it's so effective for people to judge people based on uh you know they're, they're judging people by 2019 standards but they're judging stuff they did 15 years ago yeah, and they can take anybody out that way. I mean, Jesus Christ, we all used to say stuff that was just wildly inappropriate, you know, but but some people are immune. Have you noticed that? Like oh, Howard yeah. Stern, Howard Stern yeah. and his like blackface, you know, and, and, and all that. I mean, you can find these crazy yeah. clips talking to Sherman Helmsley on on YouTube. You know, I saw this and like, wow, this is. <laughs> what do you no, think and, makes him immune? What I makes really, Howard no clue. I guess he's that connected, you know, I guess they would, you know what it is. I'll tell you what makes him immune. They'd rather keep him as one of them than to put him on the uh, enemy side. You know what I mean? Then so turn they, him into a very, yeah, formidable enemy. Because yeah. he would be a powerful uh, yeah. opponent is, is what you think. That's right. So he's a friend of ours. That makes it okay. And so that proves conclusively, you know, that it is not about anything anybody actually says ever. Mm -hmm. yeah, never. I think those who have also had a conversion to SJW ideology, those guys get a pass. Like I used to be a huge fan of, uh, I mean, I mean, I love, I think Sarah Silverman has converted. I think Pat, uh, Patton Oswalt has converted. These are people I used to think were hysterical. And if you look at some of the stuff they did, like you said, 15 years ago, it does not line up with the ideology they're preaching now, no. uh, but they get a pass because they've, they've had that conversion moment. Um, I I, uh, I read this piece that you wrote recently. Uh, I read part of it, Pat. It's called, the headline is, if you hate comedy, then you'll love the new comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's a piece in here about who, one of the biggest hypocrites, I think, is Judd Apatow. Mm. And, uh, you know, because he, he's, for people that don't know, he's been leading this charge against Louis C.K. And uh, after Louis C.K. disappeared for a while and then he came back and did a set like a 15 minute set um there was this really funny line you had about oh here it is can i read this please go ahead yeah. <laughs> where uh judd apatow tweeted about louis ck this hacky unfunny shallow routine is just a symptom of how people are afraid to feel empathy it's much easier to laugh at our most vulnerable than to look at their pain directly and show them love and concern 
Louis C.K. is all fear and bitterness now. He can't look inward. And so then Pat wrote, you wrote, if only C.K. would take Apatow's advice and call his next stand-up special, Louis C.K. looks directly at the pain of our most vulnerable and shows them love and concern. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says gut buster like looking directly at our most vulnerable and showing them love and concern. Anyway, yeah, yeah thanks. Out. I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not funny. It's there's really nothing fun. It's it, it's not that you have to take the opposite point of view. You know, yeah. like oh no, look at them, like uh, and, and point at people that are laughing or that are you know hurt or something like that, and laugh at people who fall down. But it's just that uh, yeah. It, it, why the fuck would anybody ever do that? Show love and concern. I'm saying, <laughs> that's ridiculous. You know, this kid, that was that that recording he's talking about was made at a club called Governors in Long Island, which is like the anti love and concern capital of the world. <laughs> and like, uh, they are not interested in hearing anything like that. Come on. I mean, like, what what connection is that? It's just ridiculous. Our most vulnerable, uh, you know, as if they're in the room either. You know, that's another thing is people have like um, developed an emotional connection to everything that happens, so that like you know everything is too soon and everything is wrong. You know, but like uh, I don't, you know, nobody's try New York City Crime Report, the show that I do, uh, is about you know the crimes that happen in New York City, and like there's. People throw their babies out of windows and stuff like that, you know, wow. and I'm sorry, but I don't know anybody like that. I, you know, I didn't throw a baby out a window and I think that's ridiculous. And like, I, I like to talk about stuff like that. And if you pick around the edges, you can find a way to have fun with it. That doesn't necessarily directly assault, you know, the sensibilities of someone who's concerned about a victim or something, which I understand, but you don't know them. So, like, you know, it's not as if it's a verboten topic. So, like, this fake emotional connection to everything is is a bit of a, uh, is it's a bit, to use the SJW word, problematic. Problematic. Uh, you know, and, like, I had uh, Jerry, uh, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but he wrote Permanent Midnight, uh, Jerry Stahl, on the show. And I was talking about a woman who threw a baby out of a window, you know, uh, and making some jokes about it. I mean, I made about four or five jokes in a row uh, about it. And, and so he was like, so is this what we're doing? We're, we're taking the piss out of a baby who was thrown out of a window here, you know? And and it was like, yeah, yeah, it's the show, you know? <laughs> uh, you know, but like he was, he was just questioning. I mean, I guess coming from, especially coming from the West Coast at the time or whatever, I mean, like, uh, you know, and I know he lives all over, whatever, but like maybe you get used to like people not, I don't know, whatever. Not everybody does these, these kinds of things, talks about these kinds of things. But I just told him, you know, yeah. And I, I would stop talking about it gladly when women stop throwing babies out of windows, you know? <laughs> so it, wait, so is New York, so I'm, I'm on the West Coast. I grew up uh, upstate New York with a lot of family in the city. Um, I haven't been there for, I mean, I've visited, but I haven't really been there for 20 years. The West Coast, like out here in San Francisco, it is, it is very, uh, I'll call it bland uh, from like a, from a humor perspective, at least from, from what I can tell. And I listened to your show um, and there was just some refreshing things that actually started the conversation with me and Carrie, because you just, for example, you use the word retard uh, on the show, like pretty uh, liberally. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, growing up, you know, we wouldn't call actually like, mentally disabled people retards but we would call our friends and other people that did stupid things retards and sure. that was a normal thing and 
it, I, Carrie and I both noticed that in the past few years, we, we kind of self-censored a little bit uh, on that word. And it's kind of refreshing to have someone kind of just bring it back. And your show is very New York. Uh, that was like, <laughs> it's, it's quintessential New York. Oh, um, well, yeah. Well, I, but, I, it's, it's, I, 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 before you, I, I have to say something about the, the retard thing, you know, because like it's that, that is the epitome of a false, uh, sensitivity that people have i mean i don't you know my brother uh has like a, a you know a severely uh, disabled baby uh you know with a down syndrome and everything and a, a beautiful precious child i don't want to talk about that on stage uh i don't want to talk about that in reference to uh anything funny uh it's it's just kind of a you know whatever you know but like but my attitude towards the child is everything that it should be i'm not a monster uh, the word retired is something I grew up with. And like, it's uh, who does this offend is what I have to keep asking myself mm -hmm. is like, you know, when, so when you call someone a retard, you're not like pointing at an actual retarded person, you know, and, and dehumanizing them and depriving them of their human rights or something. You know, you, you're, you're using a, a, you know, a term which we all understand and which happens to be, you know, just one of those inherently funny words. Uh, and I, it's a great reason to pick on it, I guess. Uh, I wonder if um, now, if I use that word on stage, doing in stand-up to a general audience, um, people will laugh. You know, uh, they always will, and it's the same with the word faggot. But those, <laughs> but those are total SJW no-nos. I mean, I know you know this. I, but even I'm a little uncomfortable with the word. Uh, faggot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. No, yeah, I mean, like it's you know, believe me, I, I, you, the reason why is because they keep telling you you better be uncomfortable with this word. Yeah, uh, and it's like, again, you know, just like with with retards, you're not like you know, going to gay people and like uh, trying to persecute them with this word and everything. You know, Louis uh, is a is is just such a fascinating kind of case in point because he had an, in the one of the first episodes of his show, he had a a guy Rick Chrome was actually uh, the gay guy in the show. They're playing cards. You know, people know this famous scene where you know he's just talking about the word faggot and how it's offensive and how the, the way it's been used and the way it got created and all that stuff. Uh, do you recall the scene I'm talking about? It was I uh, don't. Okay, I well, don't either. So okay, well, yeah. it was, it, it was it, I guess maybe uh, talked about more uh, amongst comedians or something. But anyway, in his show, he had, you know, and and so I actually play in that card game where that that that's in reference to. You know, I mean, that's a real thing. The Eddie Brill card game has been going on for like twenty five or thirty years, and I've played in it for about ten, and I'm the new guy. Uh, so like, uh, as I'm watching them, this happen in the middle. First of all, a conversation like that never happened. It never would happen. Someone holding the cards so they can talk about the origin of a fucking word would never be tolerated at this card game. <laughs> Deal! You know? Uh, so uh, it, it, it kind of like makes you like subscribe to a lack of realism that's not there. But like, it, also, who gives a shit? I think that Nick DiPaolo saved that whole scene with one funny line at the end, you know, like saying like, uh, you know, deal faggot or something. Uh, it's just, uh, you know... The thing is, is like people uh, who are watching you live are, are responding to your actual energy, what you're putting out there and what you seem like. You know, do you seem harmless and, and, and are you harmless? And they get a read on you that's like collectively they're a genius. You know, they can tell if you're secretly angry or resentful about something. They can tell if you're they know stuff about you. You don't know sometimes, you know, so like uh, but they will laugh if, if you are a uh, if, if you're not a snake. 
And if you don't mean it the way that, you know, right. and, because they can't help it, they've already accepted you and they're down with it, you know? So it, that's the true test. If people are laughing, it's funny, period. And, uh, you know, it's, that's it. I'm sure you've heard, have you heard this, um, this thing they're trying to say now, which is SJW say the true test is not laughter. It's whether you're punching up or punching down. <laughs> you're the punching up, punching down thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. How, <laughs> how is that the true test? And in what sense punching can we, up can or we down? Define that? Cause I will be an awesome comedian if I just have to follow that rule and no one laughs. Anyway, yeah, you just, that, right? you just have to punch up. They're cool with that. But see, they don't know what's up and down and that, that there's no oh. nuance there. Even if you, agree with them even if you agreed with yeah you shouldn't punch down and and uh take as the target of your jokes people who are vulnerable you should only attack the powerful even if you agree with that there's no context there like they well, just always attack trump and you're safe right. he's a white guy in power so there you go that's that's very true yeah always like how do you trump. how do you determine what's up and what's down they they do it based on these identity groups you know, yeah, that, they do. Yeah. They do it based on the identity groups, of course, and that's not accurate because yeah. you know, take somebody like there's, I, 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 there's nobody in society with less power than myself. I can <laughs> verify that, you know, but it, it has nothing to do with that. And the reason that that there isn't like you know, you don't detect like a system or whatever is because there isn't one, and they, and and that's by design. You know, it's whatever they say in that moment, accept it, and you know, two plus two equals five. It could equal ten. It could equal a hundred. We'll let you know when it happens, but you should just be careful. If they give you a framework, you know, to work within, then it'd be like, all right, uh, I guess if that's what, you know, at least you can work within that. I mean, that's why YouTube keeps it so vague. That's why Twitter keeps it so vague. That's why it's so inconsistent and everything seems so hypocritical is because, you know, first of all, it's impossible to to make these kinds of rules and and have them be, you know, sensible. But if they were sensible, then people would be able to still say what they wanted within this kind of, you know, framework. And they don't want that either. You know, they want everybody to be to be sort of vulnerable to this takedown. And I think that that's why, you know, the, of course, it doesn't make sense. But, yeah, if you're considering comedy, Carter, uh, and, and you're going, well, how do I be a big success? You'll never go wrong attacking Trump, like you said. Uh, and uh, just punch yourself in the face a lot. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? That's a lateral punch. I guess you're punching up just by doing that. You're taking the, the persona of someone who's lower than you and, uh, yeah, uppercut, uppercut, <laughs> uppercut. And, uh, I mean, like, it's the punching up, punching down thing, too, it doesn't make I sense. I could hire, like, a disabled uh, immigrant <laughs> woman or, like, trans person to punch, go on stage and punch me. That's it. That's what it'll eventually come to. Yeah. These like set, watch the white man get punched night. Uh, you know, there'll be people in Times Square handing out flyers. Like, do you like to see white men violently mistreated? Uh, they'll be violently mistreating white men central on cable. Uh, you know, it's yeah, it's it's really ridiculous. But uh, it, it that is a. Uh, the idea of punching down really breaks down when you look at like, okay, like, and I think I, I mentioned this in that article that was in new media, new media central is, is the site where that went up the, the, the Apatow article that you referenced. Mm -hmm. He's talking about uh, Louis CK punching down, you know? And, and the point I made was that, you know, like, look, Louis lost everything. 
I mean, he he lost uh, five executive producer credits. He lost, you know, the the show, the deal he had with FX. He lost a movie that he'd worked for years on that he wrote and directed and edited himself, for Christ's sake. I mean, that's unheard of. That's like a, a, a monumental amount of, of effort and sweat and toil and mm -hmm. thought and creativity just flushed down the toilet, uh, which I don't know if the movie was going to be good or not, but it doesn't matter. It's like just all that put into it. I mean, he went away for nine months. He gave up uh, all this income. He gave up stand-up for a long time, nine months. And then and then he comes back. And the first time he comes back, he's shaking off the cobwebs or something, you know, a couple of months in. And somebody records him without his knowledge. And then you bag on him, you know. Well, meanwhile, you know, Apatow at the time, his show is going well, whatever. He's you know, the picture of Hollywood success. I mean, him shitting on Louis C.K. is the definition of punching down. Yeah, you know? and, oh, uh, that's a great point. Yeah. Well, so but this this belies their real motive, which is they don't care about any of the things they profess to care about. They're just not to like drag us down in the conversation. But I really believe that they're just Marxist authoritarians. They're like busybodies who wish that they could wield the weapon of power against anyone they dislike. And to do that, you just make everything for verboten and then you can pick and choose because everyone's just... always violating some rule. Yeah. But this is this is something Carter and I disagree on quite frequently. <laughs> you know uh -oh. what I'm about to say. There's so well, many good people no, who are I just do. doing it. There's no, good stormtroopers. No, I think there's two types of people though, and it's important. There's two, at least two, because those who are in it with good intent and really do believe it and are true believers, those are the people that I think you can pull out of it. You can reach those people. I mean, yes, there's a huge group of them who are they have bad intent and they don't really they know exactly what this ideology is or they are using it for their own power. They don't care about ending oppression as much as they want to be the ones oppressing. Um, <laughs> but there are also those people in it who, like I believe this was liberalism and progressivism. And uh, I think those are the people, we do them a disservice when we lump them in with the with the others because you can pull those people. I need to pull them out of the cult. Uh, why? When I say they, I'm talking about the ideology though. I get it, yeah, I agree. Who's duped I by it. It is good. I, I've had this discussion with with people before. Like, how far up do you have to go before someone gets it and and has the full knowledge of what's going on? Who? How deep within the cult is that? Like, what level uh, of the uh, you know Scientologist like uh, evolution? You know, right? what what step or whatever do you do you do they tell you like, oh no, we are obviously oppressing people, uh, <laughs> but um. And I think it's pretty high. I, and I and I think that even within those people, there's like a, you know, they, they fall back on, you know, their training, which is that, no, we are against racism. And that's, I mean, like they can, they always have that as a, it's sort of like your favorite old band. That's how they go back to that. You know, like um, you, you don't listen to the Ramones every day or whatever, you know, but you still, uh, you'll hear it. And they, oh yeah, that's what I actually believe. You know, uh, they, they, uh, there's two kinds of uh, knowledge. I mean, there's like, emo or intelligence is, you know, like your regular and like, but your emotional intelligence, I think, is also involved in like, if they don't have uh, a certain kind of self-awareness about their emotional intelligence, then they, they won't realize that what they're doing is like venting everything that they can't vent anywhere else on an acceptable target. They need to have this anger that is like, you know, as people, they're frustrated themselves that they have to censor themselves so much and they blame you, you know, they blame whoever it is that is such a huge racist because 
look, you can just take the fire hose and point it right at them all you want. You know, it is open season on them. So long as they keep saying they close off every it's like, you know, a funnel. You closed off every other, uh, you know, people that you can attack. There's no other outlet except white guys. But they are cool. Go after them all you want, you know, or whatever group that they designate. And so like uh, like to, to I, this is a, a really by the way, Carter, you know, I, I really do find that in conversations like this, I try not to be the first one to bring up communism. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know what? It, it is communism, but that's I'll, I'll say the word uh, you said the word, but. No, you, I, it, when I bring you can it up, hide behind that I brought up Marxism. It's fine. No, no, not at all. It's that's not what I mean. I just mean like whenever I've brought it up, like I was I was talking about this a couple of years ago before Trump got elected, and it was like this is like uh, I saw a movie called The Enemies Within, you know, and it was like well documented. It was a true documentary or whatever, and you're like, wow, this is like a this is a real thing. Communism's real. They, it's just not called communism anymore. It's called you know, it's, it doesn't have this. Justice. Yeah, social justice doesn't really have a name. It's something you can't like. You know, people could get behind like communism being bad, but how can how the fuck could you get behind something called social justice being bad? You know, it has the word justice in it, and and, and so like that's just an that's introductory level like sort of Orwellian terminology, and that's what we have to like. It it really sets the table for that kind of thought. You know, words like deplatforming. You know. Mm -hmm. You mean completely shutting people up and throwing them off the internet, you know? Yeah, censoring. Uh, there's a word for that already. <laughs> yeah, and and, and 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 you're talking about the people who are liberal and stuff like that, and they like, so, go, "Well, no, I'm very against censorship. Very against censorship. I just don't. No, absolutely not. How do you feel about hate speech? We must stop hate speech. Uh, we must. <laughs> well, what's hate speech? Whatever they say it is. I don't know." Uh, <laughs> so they're really like uh, just bending over for yeah. censorship, you know, and like just welcoming this authoritarian, tyrannical sort of state. And, and like, uh, it's man, they've really figured it out. Genius. Their approach is so smart not to do. I mean, like they, they, they come it's at language. like, through, yeah, it is language. Yeah, absolutely. You control language, you control thoughts. Yeah. I mean, you were, you're, so you're basically saying there's a bunch of self delusion and lack of self awareness. Um, even by maybe even by the people that are that could understand the ideology, but are, are kind of implementing it. But I, I guess my my I'm really countering to carry not you on this because I, uh, okay. I <laughs> but I'm like, do we is that does that entitle them to forgiveness? Like if you're murdering babies, I don't really care if it's because you're deluded or not. Like you're still murdering babies. So if, as far as I'm concerned, if you're pushing for Marxist authoritarianism, I don't give a crap whether you think you're doing it for good. You're just a horrible person. And if we can save you and show you that, great. And if we can't, well, too bad. I mean, it. I, I don't know well, why we give them forgiveness just because, because they I, lack self-awareness. I'm not talking about forgiveness necessarily. I'm saying the way you, you just said, if we can save them, great. Well, we don't save them by calling them horrible people. You're not going to get me on board with you by calling. I'm not already. I'm not arguing I mean? that that's a good strategy like, to reach out. That's not, the, <laughs> that's not the postcard they get in the mail, right? Like, but like, but we're having a discussion like philosophically here. Not you know, this um, isn't a marketing campaign. Well, you know what's funny, Carter? Uh, Pat said something to me when we were talking beforehand that that you said, which was like, I can't remember how Pat phrased it, but but Pat Carter has said before that I have a lot of evil to make up for because of oh. my. Old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I tend to, I, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but I, I tend not to think of people as good, good people and bad people anymore. Just people who can are capable of both. And sometimes people are really just in their bad season or, or in their good season or, you know, and so, uh, Anyway, that's a philosophical. That's an excellent way to look at it because, like, if I look back when I was, uh, you know, my brother was talking about these kids wearing their Che Guevara shirts or whatever, and they know that he's a mass murderer. Or they thought he just thought he didn't know anything. But the thing, no, they don't know anything because I mean, they might know that fact or whatever, or they might know that like whoever did what, but it doesn't have any meaning to them yet if they're 22, 25. And those people, like, the shit I used to say and do when I was 25, you know, or 20 yeah. or whatever. I mean, like, it was, I was, look, I mean, I'm not any great intellect now, but I was an idiot then and, you know, very easily swayed on anything. I didn't really, like, whatever. You haven't got it all figured out yet. And, and like, it's, it's really smart the way they've made them, like, sort of like, you know, like, oh, the youth are leading the charge i mean like you harness that energy they always think they're changing the fucking world you know i mean like it's like you're not so if we could somehow educate young people you're not changing the world here okay it's not happening well, so i mean sometimes they are changing the world and it results in a bloody revolution and lots of deaths and then eventually starvation of tens of millions of people that's why we have so, to brutally yeah, censor youth. them yeah <laughs> <laughs> if anybody should be censored it's young people you know? <laughs> I mean, like hardcore too. Uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's really the idea, like you said, you know, like the forgiveness thing. Uh, you know, Carter, like the, maybe we shouldn't. You know, uh, they what they're doing is wrong. They have they have their awareness is such that I mean they're they're twisted up. I mean they're encouraged not to even talk to people who uh, you know are who believe different things or whatever. You know, and they if you get more than three questions into some kind of philosophical discussion with them, they just go, uh, you know what I. <laughs> I can't even. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, is that I, your AOC impression? Coming directly <laughs> from New York. Uh, I would be shaking a rattle and wearing a diaper if I was doing my AOC impression. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she auditioned. She's an actress. You know, I mean, I saw the, a, the was it Reagan? Uh, who was it? Yeah. Who, who did that? Yeah, right. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? She uh, auditioned yeah. for what? The role the of role. congresswoman, congress, congresswoman. Yes, yeah, <laughs> really? she she auditioned to be the one that they ran. I mean, and there's like a, a couple of other uh, of the uh, Congress people who were, went through a similar process. Uh, Tlaib, Tlaib, uh, Regina, uh, Regina Tlaib, I guess. She's in Michigan, I think. Uh, yeah, they are complete actors. Wow. Yeah. And we okay, and you know that that's because she's 29 and she knows anything about politics. It's complete nonsense you know and well and i mean in fairness she knows as much as bernie sanders seems to hey <laughs> so, hey. Bernie, bernie knows how to say the right things he's just a few I, years too late you know i voted but, uh, for bernie by the way excellent. so you got to make up for that too yeah i gotta make up for that no no uh, I, 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 that's an excellently cast vote just waste it uh you know <laughs> i always encourage the left vote all this third party bullshit yeah yeah like, jill stein <laughs> yeah yeah, she has a chance. Yeah, uh, so ridiculous. I, I um, love this conversation. The, the idea I, that like people are so like uh, they, when you said that we like uh, that, that some people are not aware of it, you know. And Carter, you said also, you know, that like it doesn't really matter if they're not aware of it and everything. But and and it, but uh, it is absolutely required to the philosophy to not be aware of all this stuff. You know what I mean? It's absolutely required. Right. For them to like have all this uh I, I can never remember the term for having to uh the the cognitive dissonance you know required you know uh, they have to in order to stomach that they they really have to uh 
you know, not look closely at it at all. Self-delusion is an absolute must. And they will cling to that with every, you know, uh, bit of who they are because, like, it, they're so connected to the idea that they are this, like, racism-fighting, fascism-fighting machine that they cannot so – you can't take that away from them without taking – their sense of self, their identity. Yes. Their identity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you really yeah. hit upon it. It becomes part of uh, who you are and you define yourself by it. And so I don't think it's a coincidence that in my case, I was undergoing a, like a really hard time in my life personally trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted. And then, and then that everything was raised to the ground, you know? So then you're building up your whole identity again and, and it, it kind of those things went hand in hand, like losing my ideology, which was like my religion and my identity. Um, it went hand in hand with this personal changes, you know, these personal things that were happening. Um, I have a question, another question for you that I, might be interesting. We've a lot of times on this podcast, we've talked about um, SJW ideology and uh, overlap with mental health issues or the way that it seems to encourage people to, to, to uh, embrace their mental health issues or to uh, to even identify as their advertise and issues. brag about such mental health issues. Even. Yeah. And so I know you and I both have a history with people with borderline personality. Oh, you yeah. have that the whole joke about your ex-girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> did I call her girlfriend? Was she a girlfriend? Uh, yeah, yeah. She was a girl. Yeah, yeah, sure. She was an ex-girlfriend by then. But yeah, yeah. When, when she was a problem. And so I've often thought of it as sort of a collective borderline personality disorder. Do you see any kind of analogy there to? Huh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a natural point in the conversation for that since like it requires so little self-awareness to be uh, in this cult, then yeah, I guess it stands to reason that if you sort of like have all this, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're almost teaching people to be some kind of dissociative uh person aren't you you know like uh so somebody who can uh like compartmentalize to to a, to a strangely uh to a, to an unhealthy degree and uh i guess like you're manufacturing what would that be i don't even i'm not really familiar with psychology that much like a, a sociopath or something you know an emotionless uh you know kind of you know person but it, i i never really thought about that that they're being trained to be maniacs and mm -hmm. to be out with it like that, it's terrifying. And I guess that's another reason to do it. Like now that like they have a lot of sway, they can just go, oh, by the way, we're insane. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Very fun. Yeah. Well, I think because borderline personality is sort of, it's like a disorder of the emotions and they are so about emotion over fact. And your emotion is all the evidence needed. If you feel a certain way, that's it's also your solipsist. lived experience. It's what? Right? Like, it's a solipsist uh, disorder as well. Like, it's, uh, there doesn't seem to, like, people, because I, I had an ex girlfriend's mom actually that had, had borderline personality disorder. But, like, there's, like, they're the, the entire world consists of their, their, how it affects them. That's the totality of what matters in the world. There's, like, a lack of, um, there's a lack of caring for how, or even, even maybe awareness of the, like, other people exist actually and are affected in their own ways. Um, it's all about like how they, what's like, it's the, the world is just the, my neural inputs and that's the end of it. Yeah. Wow. 
that's a scary person to deal with too. Uh, I, I, by the way, well done on uh, her being an ex-girlfriend, you know, because like that that said that, that she was going to be trouble with a, she had a severely borderline mother. Uh, my <laughs> Christ. I mean, they didn't even diagnose stuff like that a while back. I mean, there's no telling how long shit like that that's been going on. It's such a dangerous and weird disorder. And, and you're right. It, it's, they don't have any kind of care for like they'll speak of themselves as the victims. Oh, you know, yeah. and, and, and white people really, you know, are the worst, you know, and that's the <laughs> only time I'll say that in that they really are like they see um so the all these communities and groups being able to attract all this sympathy and get the currency of being a victim, which I don't understand exactly why this has so much currency, but it's associated with like nobility and then the strength and overcoming and coming forward and being bold or whatever it is, you know, but you're the, the, the victim is praised all the time. And so like white people are like, well, wait a second, I want to be a victim too, you know? And so... <laughs> They have. They will actually own all this, you know. Like we live in a society that's so, and they they think they have to white knight for everybody and everything, and 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 uh, get involved. And so, yeah, I guess that there is evidence of what you're saying in that, you know, because uh, Carter, because uh, you know, they, they they're looking at the, they're taking themselves as the victim of of oppression and racism or something playing that role by you know this kind of like uh, hypersensitive, uh, you know acting on it and in perception of it. I, I found yeah, they're that, almost like volunteering to be offended on behalf of other people who maybe couldn't give a shit uh, what was going on. But like, well, as a white person, you shouldn't say that. Like, I, I'll be the one to step in and on throw behalf myself of in color. on behalf of the, yeah, this person of color. And uh, could there be anything more racist or presumptuous <laughs> right, than exactly. that? Yeah, yeah. These exactly. people are too stupid to talk to themselves. <laughs> yes. Hold yeah. on. Stand back. You just, I've got this. But you've just described like most of white liberals, at least in the Bay Area, like that's how they operate. Yeah. Yeah. And and once you have them advocating for, you know, everything that's wrong ever, you know, Jesus, right? And then you win, right? It's 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 terrible. You know, I, I don't know how far into the SJW rabbit hole you've been, but you know what they, they the reason they say they do this, Pat, is because it's emotional labor for women and people of color or any oppressed person to have to defend their arguments or explain things. Right. So it's the job, it's the job of the uh, privileged ally to come in and do it. And we all know how much they hate work, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I was thinking like, I could make a joke about this, but I don't know if I'm comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, yeah, if you're not comfortable, then you're about to poison the king. And you can't poison the king, you have to shoot the king. <laughs> so, having said inappropriate things a number of times, I've, you know, I've learned. But, uh, yeah, it's so true, though, the, you know, the, the idea, the emotional labor thing. What the hell is that? You know, like, that's that's a big one for women, too, isn't it? Like, the emotional oh, yeah. labor of being a woman. Which is like, yeah. it used to be just like shit you'd say over a fence, you know, to the neighbor. <laughs> like, I ironed every one of his shirts. In a, you know, it's, it gets to be taxing on me mentally, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Heavy my to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have a couple of drinks and go with your fucking life, you know? It's, there's, uh, there's a group, Pat, if you haven't seen it, it's called, um, oh God, what is it, Carter? It's it's a, it's a group of what white oh it's called white nonsense roundup and it's a Facebook group <laughs> of white people and they come in and they round up other white people so that uh, people of color don't have to do the emotional labor <laughs> so 
you can tag them on Facebook and they'll come in and they'll preach about our shared white privilege and all those. Anyway, they're white people who go and do exactly what we're talking about, who go in and speak on behalf of people. Yeah, I love that so much, man. And 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 as somebody like I know uh, quite a few black people who uh, say, yeah, that's we don't really like that. I don't like that. You know, I mean, like I, I find that they it, it and and you can see why they would be so. Uh, that's why they didn't vote for Hillary. You know, because it's like condescending. Yeah, she's extremely condescending. I'm going to bring you into the 21st century. You know, whatever. I'm <laughs> what? Everything it's just weird. You know, uh, all this uh, belief. That's how I you feel know? about the voter. That's how I feel about the voter registration laws, where there's like black people can't go to that. Like, you, you can't you can't require them to like go register to vote and have an ID because black people don't have IDs. It's like what? What? <laughs> In what world do they live where black people are so incompetent that they can't go register to vote with a fucking ID like everyone else? Oh, I've no. never met anyone like that, but apparently that's the view of the like any racial minority. They get a letter and then they just set it on fire for warmth and stuff. You know? they, they're yeah. bumping into walls. How do I vote? Uh, yeah. Are yeah. there mean white people there? Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's so true. It's that so does true. happen with women too. It ha I love uh, one of my things I find the most funny is when it's when I'm arguing in a uh, online or something and a woke male feminist joins the discussion uh, because when you can use Be that careful, stuff, that, those are the real sex offenders. Oh, they're creepy. I know they do. Yeah. There seem to be a lot of them who turn out to be actual harassers or because the um, intent makes it all okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't intend guys. to hurt you. I just like, you know, really want to have sex with you. Yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> they, they think, well, they're on the right team. So like, I, that's probably why they take liberties like that. Oh, yeah. Sexual harassers and sexual offenders. Yeah. And they're like, I have the right politics. It's like uh, Harvey Weinstein when he uh, his letter that he released right after the uh, the first New York Times piece. He released a letter that's like, yeah, I may have done some inappropriate things. That's why I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to the, fighting the NRA and getting guns <laughs> off. The, like, that was in his letter. That was in his letter. It, it was like, this is so weird. He's trying to remind us, but I'm on the right team, guys. Like, I'm, I've got the right politics. I'm a good person. As if like, the NRA no has anything to do with what he was doing. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's well, they kind of do. Wait, point. wait. No, no, they kind of do. And in, in that, uh, I used to train civilians in. Uh, in concealed carry so they could get concealed carry permits. And quite a few of them were women who had been sexually assaulted in the past and wanted to carry a weapon around um, in self-defense. Mm -hmm. So there's a relation. It's just not the one that. No. Not yeah. the one he he, he's trying to get the guns <laughs> out of their hands, right? Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Never know when one of these ladies might be packing. So we need to get rid of guns. You know, <laughs> it's so crazy. One of the things he supposedly did was like forced someone to give him oral sex. Uh, I guess that's probably alleged multiple times, but it was like a, one complaint that I heard. And I thought, how do you, I just don't think that, I mean, like, I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, there's prison, you know, and there's like certain things, but I mean, like you have to be, I mean, like to force a person, I mean, physically force a person to give you oral sex. I don't understand how that could last more than a second. I'm saying, okay. I know that they're weaker. I know yeah. I get it, power and all that stuff. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not, I'm not on his side, but I'm just trying to imagine like, I, how that happens. I, I think every once in a while, somebody blows somebody and goes, I didn't want to do that. You know? I agree with you. Yeah. I actually agree. So there's a, there's, 
I didn't see enough people talking about this uh, or, or enough women talking about it, but like the Ashley Judd story with him, there are a lot of those women who you're making a deal with the devil. Now it's not right that he's offering you this deal. Hold on, let me get my doggy. Right when you mentioned the devil. <laughs> well, so this is what they do. They conflate. Um, so they use the word force differently than I think you and I would use the word force. Like to me, force means physical, actual force. Um, but people use the word force, especially on the left now. They use the force to mean like gave me a choice that I didn't like or like he you had know, power and he did me verbally somehow or yeah like, offered, power, like and that is coercion power. and bad but it's not force no it's not force no yeah and so, and so to say force is in, inaccurate so he it, him using abusing his power is absolutely inappropriate and it happens too often but a lot of those women they went along with it it's like they chose to do that to make and there was I I think this was really illustrated in the story of one of the women who didn't. Um, it's the, um, her name is Lupita. I, I can't remember her last name. She's a black actress. See, we don't know her name. because Oh yeah, the great that. actress That's Lupita somebody. Yes, of course. Oh no, well she was in, I think she was in 12 Years a Slave. Anyway, she ended up, she said no to him. And he was like, you'll never work, you'll never work and you'll never have. And she said no and went on to be in an Oscar nominated film. I mean, that woman oh. had balls and she actually did not do a forced blowjob. She yeah left do you know what i mean so, it, so yeah it goes to show that like you know you can still be successful if you're good she's obviously you know maybe she's very talented i guess that's the narrative when you talk when you talk about these poor victims like ashley judd who uh you know somehow in spite of the fact that they that they were you know forced to have sex with uh, somebody still managed to fight against that, you know, and become successful, I guess, is, is what, you know, you're to believe when actually, you know, of course you accept, you know, whatever the guy has to offer. Otherwise, why would you have done it to begin with? You know, it, it's it's not as if uh, they, they took the easier path and that should be acknowledged. It really should. And, and it should weigh into everything that they say about it and make a suspect. But, the, you know, at the same time, the, the reason you didn't hear a lot about that is because, you know, like, yeah, it's not a it's not really the story we're telling here, is it? You know, well, not to minimize, I like I get that they're vic they're quote victims in the sense that they took the easy path and you know they were subject to this coercion and and it was bad. But and they you know they also didn't say anything to, to anyone, and they should have no, been right. They I, also I was, didn't say anything, and a lot of people didn't say anything. So all those people right. that were silent, like why do we not care about them? They enabled this to continue. Someone just had to say the guy made tried to give me making a blowjob. I had my iPhone there. I recorded the audio. Here it is done what are you classic victim blaming now carter <laughs> yes oh my i am victim yeah. i'm yeah. such an asshole once you're a victim you are blameless in the situation you know and that's why they're so quick to label somebody as a victim because it makes them invulnerable to critique so but, like now I, I i when i used the word before victim in reference to ashley judd i was being ironic uh and uh so i just wanted to point that out yeah well they pretend like women have no agency it's like that you can't just say, and in some cases, maybe they, I, I, he could have, they couldn't have left the room or, you know, what have you, but there were, you can, there are times when you can walk out and leave. It's like the girl who wrote, did you read the piece, Pat, about Aziz Ansari? Yeah. I just was thinking of it when you mentioned it. That's what I thought. Yeah. And she had regrettable sex with him. She chose to. The definition of someone who has a who who has zero agency in anything, and and like they really encourage that, and I guess it's because so they want the whole power, the whole weight of everything to crash down on somebody, you know, uh, in response to something like that. It just 
it, it's I guess it's encouraged for that reason. You, otherwise, you think that they would be really for you know the power of the woman. But like it, it go even when he ordered wine, yeah. he ordered the wine, and she starts yeah. off saying, "Well, he ordered red. I wanted white." <laughs> Why didn't you mention it, you dumb bitch? You know, I mean, like it's it's like it's you have to learn to say things you want. You know, he's not a mind reader. Like talk about like I have zero control over any of this stuff. No, you, you, the waiter's right there. You know, I mean, it's it's such a strange thing. It's so condescending, though. And and as uh, you know, I'm the dad of a daughter, and as she's growing up, it's like it's the worst possible role model to to give her. It's like it's this idea that like, oh, you'll never have any agency, so everything just happens to you. But that's kind of the quote feminism that we have now today. I don't understand it. Yeah, it is, and because it's a feminism, it's all about advocacy and uh, and control, you know. I, I guess, and and that's it's not really about feminism anymore. This wave of feminism really has it, it's almost like a it's a huge step back, except it, it's a step forward in power, but but it's a step back in in the rest of it, you know. I it, it's it's I think that you're right to you know to teach your daughter about that. I'm, I'm glad somebody's teaching their daughter something. I'm glad that some dad is talking to his daughter. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, hey, you might raise someone who's not on the pole, right? You know, I mean, that's the idea, uh, which is that they really confuse you with all this stuff, you know, like, oh wait, okay. So if I, if a woman is a stripper, then she's owning her sexuality and she's using it to, but if I go to that strip club, I'm a degenerate dirtbag who is supporting the, you know, uh, mistreatment of women, you know, it's like you, you cannot win. So, you know, as, as, as we go through and always point out all these like, you know, ridiculous points of hypocrisy and, and, and everything, uh, it, it's so, it, you know, like we, we, we raise it like it's an argument or something, you know, and it's funny because like there's no art, there's no counter to it, you know, except that we're all racists and we shouldn't be doing what we're doing, you know? I mean, like it's, everything's a nuke. So like, it would be, it would be great. What we're fighting, I think is another like arc back, uh, you know, that I, and I don't know how to win hearts and minds when they, when they've freely given them away to this uh, very temptation, a very tempting kind of victimization culture and stuff. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, it's, when you put it that way, it gets kind of depressing to think about the future, right? Because these, you know, you're about my age and like schools, when we grew up, schools were not that they were great, but they weren't as horrible as they are now. And I feel like they've just destroyed kids ability to critically think. Um, and they've indoctrinated colleges have for the most part indoctrinated them into this, this ideology. And these are the kids that are going to be running the, running the country in a few decades. And I, you know, I think it's very likely to be either a civil war or a Marxist regime of some kind, whether it's the the feminists or the the um, social justice warriors or whoever wins the the battle and holds the reign of power. The most evil and violent and despicable person always rises to the top in those situations. So mm -hmm. that's what we'll have. Yeah, and and isn't it isn't it uh, uh, a fact that like we're different? Um, People like us, so we have to think with our own individual brains. We're not joiners per se, so it's hard to mobilize for a civil war. And I think one by one, we'll all just like, you know, make our peace with all this. You know that like, yeah, I guess uh, whatever you say, I'll be quiet. But you know, like you notice how the it's. I think that's a really important personality difference between the left and the right. The left loves to show up for protests. 
and they yeah. and they love to uh, and they love to chant, you know, and they love to agree, and they love to you know all be saying the same thing regardless well, we without having to give it a lot of thought. Yeah, we have, yeah, perhaps uh, businesses that we need to run, you know, things we want to do with our lives. And like, we, we don't have any importance on that because we, we don't see these things as the issue that they see them as. So we're not emotionally driven to do that. And what would it take to mobilize all the people who think the way we think? Donald Trump is one thing that it took, you know, I mean, yeah. like, that's why everybody was like, so, yes, somebody is like pushing back against this shit at all. And it's like once you kind of like have that in your corner, I mean, that's why people are so fanatical about Trump is because to them, he doesn't seem like the problem. He seems like the solution. But uh, about the, uh, uh, you know, being depressed, you know what? I've gone through that and I guess I and I can empathize. So, I, I mean, the only thing that I can offer is to say, like, you know what, in, in 30, 40 years, Max, we're going to be dead. And so now we have some gratitude for that, you know. I thank yeah, God. But I have a kid. Sure. I have I have a child. Our, our kids aren't going to be dead. But right? you'll so be dead. <laughs> I'll, I'll hey, I'll I'll probably be dead before then. The way you I won't be dead. able to, you won't be able to uh, to care, you know. I mean, like, care. and and, and uh, it's too bad though. I don't have any kids, and and uh, I. I, I kind of it would be interesting to see how my kids would be reacting to this, just as it would be interesting to see how Patrice O'Neill would be reacting to all this. I mean, like we lost yeah. him. He was such a great voice against this kind of thing. Or, uh, so you funny. know, you, Greg, Greg Giraldo, you know, or, uh, you know, like some of these guys who like really, you know, they were they're really missed. Uh, and, and I think it's really important. The voices in comedy are maybe more important now because you know, when we get depressed about it, it's the laughter really that, that saves you. You know what I mean? The fact that like we can sit and have some laughs a, about this is like really the only way to, uh, it's the, I think it's, I think that's why they're attacking comedy is because it's, it's the only way out. It's the only solution. And it's really humor is the only weapon because it, it has truth in it. That is inarguable. Mm -hmm. I, I well, agree. I think it's a spiritual like uh respite from all the, crap right you just like take a few moments and and listen to a comedian who lets you laugh about the stuff that we're laughing right. about and it's a it's a release sorry carrie i didn't mean to interrupt oh but. no i was gonna say well to that point i wanted to ask you pat who are some of like who makes you laugh lately like who are some of your favorites lately if you don't mind i'm, I'm not i'm not the comedy fan i once was uh mm -hmm. in, in a in a sense i mean but like you know these days uh like, yeah, I mean, you've probably heard comedians all say this since you manage comedians, but we tend to not watch them, you know, anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I can't stand to see who's on stage before me, even mm -hmm. because if he's getting big laughs, then I'm just instantly angry that he's up there getting my laughs, you know. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> if there's someone you, you know, the idea of of somebody being somebody that you respect and admire, so you avoid their stuff, you know, Apatow said some bullshit like that about Louis C.K. as if he could ever be barking up the same tree as the one of the best comedy minds uh ever you know and and, and one of the four definitely one of the foremost of uh, his generation this in this time yeah i think louis ck makes me laugh all the time uh i i think he's a very 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 funny guy and like the stuff he was saying people love laughing at that stuff because he was talking about the you know the victims of uh you know the school shooting or whatever down in parkland and like he wasn't talking about him like in a mean or or angry way or anything like that. like he was he was but it was a frustrated thing like how they, they've been made these media celebrities why should i find them interesting you know and mm -hmm. if you heard the bit uh but like people loved it because this is what they've been waiting to hear they were responding to him and i'm not 
Trust me, I'm not trying to draw a line here between the two, but in the same way as Carter and I were just talking about, the way they responded to Trump, it's like he's the guy with water and you're in the desert, you know? Yeah. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't hear that stuff. And so to me, anybody who's talking about the stuff that you're not supposed to be talking about, I think Milo is funny. Uh, Milo uh, is funny. Yep. Gavin McInnes to me is instantly entertaining anytime he's talking. I decided to find him to be like just a just an intrinsically entertaining guy. I've never seen him on a show that he didn't dress up. So side note about Gavin for anyone watching, I um I told you this before the show, Pat, but I was on a, his his show before it left CRTV. He did a special about people who had walked away from the left, and I didn't know much about him at the time. I knew his name, and but everything I'm sure you know in the, in the SJW echo chamber everything about him is like, oh, I don't go on a show as a white nationalist and the Proud Boys are white nationalists. And and I had friends concern for me of like, I don't know, even if he's not, he's been tarred with that label and you don't want to go on there and be tarred with. See, that's what they do is they make people radioactive and then and then you can't associate with them. So, sure. yeah. And so I, I started looking him up and talked to some friends who gave me some background on him. And I everything I looked at told me that 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 official story they're putting out in the media is fucking bullshit sorry again for the language is not true and so uh you know i went on the show and and you can also it's it's what you talked about earlier in the discussion about watching a comedian and sort of doing a gut check on when they're doing a joke that might be deemed offensive on whether if, if they're truly malicious or not and just like within meeting him within a few minutes i was like oh, this guy doesn't have a racist bone in his body he's not a racist like he's part comedian which they forget yeah like he's he, <laughs> yeah. they forget that he's a comic Right. Right, right, he dresses right. up like Michael Douglas from Falling Down for a lot of this stuff. I, you interviewed him at one point, uh, Pat, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a friend of Gavin's, and and he's been on New York City Crime Report a couple of times, and uh, those episodes do really well, by the way. So, I mean, I know there's an audience out there for for him and for what he's doing. He's uh, when I, you know, the first time I heard of him was he did a show called uh, Free Speech, and it was on uh, a different uh, network, and and I was like seeing that he was charting or whatever. And I was like doing my own show at the time, trying to figure out like, what, what are people doing that I'm not doing or whatever? And I listened to his show and, and he was actually saying facts and pushing back on like, just like social justice stuff. But he was being funny and he was like <laughs> making me laugh and he was, he was lighthearted. And he's like, you know, just like uh, the, his approach was just uh, perfectly honest and perfectly straightforward and perfectly funny and, and charming and everything. Like, uh, I mean, I'm not here to like, you know, like boost this, jerk who uh <laughs> hardly needs my boosting you know but he said yeah well he and i are, this was uh it's laundry day this was one of those free ones but uh it, you know it's um it's 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 uh we're exactly the same age he and i to the month and mm -hmm. and we have like a lot of like common sort of like you know just like you know just you know, it is sometimes you just have like you see everything kind of like in a real similar way. Mm -hmm. And this to see him demonized, I mean, that's how you know that like he was really kind of uh, becoming more popular in the mainstream. And and like he, he was it's it's really kind of these days an easy sell to go like, hey, look, a bunch of people having fun uh, who don't worry about this shit so much. Like, ah, sounds great. You know, I mean, so those people have yeah. to be the most dangerous mm -hmm. white supremacist ever. That's why they came out so hard against him. You know, I mean, there were videos of like some of these guys beating up members of Anifa. But yeah, keep in mind, Anifa is a 
is is the militant tactical wing of you know the leftist authoritarian system or whatever. They're not like blameless protectors out no. there. If they, oh they, no, fact, they're they're overtly violent. They 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 have. There's no. You don't need to read between the lines with Antifa. They're just like, yeah, we're violent. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna. But the mainstream. Yeah, but the mainstream media carries water for them. I mean, CNN was talking about you know some punches are justified. Like they did this whole thing about Antifa being, you know, it, they were they were doing what we talked about earlier, defending violence because it's in the name of anti-fascism. Yeah, and they, and and so many times you read articles about them, and they say a group of anti-fascists. They don't say you know Antifa, yeah. a group of mass thugs, a group of black bloc, <laughs> you know, tactically trained uh, college professors and reporters. Which that's who a lot of them are. They're you know involved in universities and and and. There was one guy who was arrested for punching a guy. They beat up a veteran who, who was a Hispanic uh, guy who uh, had been in the Marines. They beat him up and they used all kinds of slurs and stuff like that. And this guy was advising uh, in, uh, on policy in the Democrat Party. You know, it's it's unreal how little this stuff gets publicized and how just imagine how much it would be publicized. You know, somebody raised a hand to his wife or something instantly fired and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. You know, if it's on the other side, this is a guy who is out doing hate crime apparently. And uh, it's just, well, we'll look the other way on that. Yeah. It, yeah. They, they, you, you think you don't have to read between the lines, but you know something uh, they have somehow introduced subtlety into this. I don't understand that new, they're allergic to nuance until it helps them. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I read the Antifa handbook I mean, they're pretty clear. Their definition of fascism, which I've said on the show before, and they're clear about this. Anything that's not socialism, if it's not Marxism, it's fascism. That's their definition. So, yeah. and, and they're very clear about like using force. So, yeah, I know. And, and yet the media and any politicians who side with them on that, you know, are very, very happy to be apologists and to find all these shades of gray in it, you know, and to say, yeah, but at least they're not the proud boys, that racist bunch of it. They're against them. So I guess in this situation, hard to say really who's to blame, but it's the proud boys. Uh, you know, when this idea of like hearing about when you mentioned it before, like people who are just picking up like uh, a thread of it someplace who aren't really like, like online experiencing this, uh, you know, the way some of us do, which is really unhealthy, by the way, for us to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, we should be more like these people who don't even know what's going on. Uh, uh, I don't Someone mean to has say to that. fight. I don't Someone mean to say it that way, but yeah. 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 But this uh, one of the guys who uh, one of the Proud Boys who was involved in this altercation back in October uh, with Antifa, the ones I mean, they got charged for this stuff. They, they got one of the they a couple of felony charges, nine guys. OK, I don't know if you knew about this. It was a, the Republican uh, yes. clubhouse or whatever. Yeah. And if I made threats, they vandalized Targeted the them. place. They broke the lock. They uh, they they put, uh, you know, they spray painted symbols and stuff like that. They broke a window. They had been doing this before McKenna like even showed before. up to talk. Yeah. Leading yeah, up to. So then when they're there and they steal a guy's backpack and they uh, and steal his hat and they're trying to get it back. These proud boys are. And then they get seen on video kicking a couple of them. They end up being charged. And I mean, no victim came forward. No, there was no no complainant, you know, because if they did that, they'd have to have their identity out. And the political pressure was so great based on, you know, the big push, the groundswell. I mean, even the governor got involved, the AG got involved, the mayor. Everybody has to weigh in about these terrible people. And 
I happened to speak to one of the, you know, the parent of one of these kids, you know, uh, who, who was involved wow. kids. I mean, he's in his twenties or whatever. And, right. and he's, and he's looking at me like, what's, I don't, what is going on? You know, I don't even understand this. This is some minor skirmish. This, my kid might do five years on this. And, and it was just to defend their own property. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, I don't think people realize how overblown it, 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 it it is like the news about them is and how they've been targeted. They, um, I don't know if you saw this Pat, but after that, that, uh, skirmish that got blown out of proportion, um, like a lot of the proud boys are black and Hispanic. And one of the guys who's, uh, was facing charges, like they were showing, they were trying to raise money for his legal defense and his wife is black and his kids are black. And so the, and then you started seeing articles from SJWs where they literally called them, uh, the Proud Boys are a multiracial white supremacist group. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, very Orwellian, eh? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, hold those thoughts in your mind at the same time. Right. We That's accept crazy. anybody so long as you're white supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. Lunacy. And yeah. I, I wonder if they were like, whoever the editor was who made that call was like, let's just see what happens. If <laughs> See if That's, they buy it. You oh, they did. Any, of course. They bought it. Course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just give us an explanation. It doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to make any sense. Just a bunch of no, letters, really. Put them together and we'll say that. It doesn't even have to be words. That's the answer? Okay. And, and when you need no substance to your argument at all, it doesn't really matter. And so, yeah, now we have uh, multiracial white supremacist groups. <laughs> Who were then kicked off of Twitter, by the way, and Antifa is still on Twitter. Tim Pool brought wow. that up in the uh, Joe Rogan podcast uh, recently. Like that's crazy. A lot of those Proud Boys were kicked off of Twitter. Almost all of them, and his groups, yeah. they were all kicked off, and that was all done summarily uh, before all this occurred. You know, that was done uh, in, in as a. Uh, I guess they were trying to. I, I'm not exactly sure. It was right before the Unite the Right anniversary. And so they were somehow trying to connect those two things like, well, you know, uh, in the lead up to Unite the Right, they, they were kicked off Twitter. But like uh, the second one, the anniversary or whatever, that, that was not advocated by McInnes at all. He told all the Proud Boys, do not go to that. Right. Specifically, don't go to Charlottesville. If you do, you're not a Proud Boy anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just documented all over the place. And I'm sure that he'll be bringing that up in his lawsuit against the SPLC. Uh, but it. it they got, I think the reason that they get kicked off targeted and stuff like that is because it was really starting to grow and it was really starting to become something that like, uh, I could, it's hard to believe. I saw him talking about this with the stupid wuss virgin, uh, tech guy, you know, that's kind of <laughs> why he started it. it. It was in response to this kid being like, well, no, I don't, uh, I've never had sex and I don't really, I'll do it whenever. I don't care. You know? And, and he was like, what are you talking about? You know, look at the way you live. You know, he just wanted to counteract all this like sort of defeatist beta thinking and, uh, and and he made something kind of fun, you know, and it's the most silly, harmless thing. But, it, you know, it's something that I guess there was a real demand for. And somehow that all became politicized when it has nothing to do with politics, really. You can be a liberal and be in the you know, it's it had nothing to do with it. I don't even know if they exist anymore. I guess they do. The Proud Boys. But, but it was uh -huh. trying to offer a um, a positive 
kind of masculinity and and masculinity is toxic you can't celebrate masculinity and you can't certainly can't celebrate western civilization or western i was gonna western say they culture. use that toxic phrase um, western civilization yeah that so it really yeah. goes to the heart of what they are all about doesn't it i mean like getting rid of western they, they, yeah that's that's really why they he hit a gavin did hit a bullseye on the whole western culture thing yeah yeah Oh, the, the masculinity you're talking about is not really masculine. You know, I mean, the 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 masculinity uh, masculinity they're trying to encourage is uh, this like kind of I don't know, like second guessing sort of like uh, what does she want kind of deal. You know what I mean? I mean, anytime something's reactive, it's and and, and when you're putting your nature in subordination to a reaction to some female you know, or some advocates of females or whatever, you know, clearly that's not masculinity. That's, uh, you know, you're just taking your orders or whatever. Yeah. I don't think women like that, really. I see no. these no. very dissatisfied women, you know, who are in the park. I, like, I'll see these guys, like, especially in Brooklyn, you know, these guys who have, like, a baby carrier, you know, and they're bespectacled, balding, a little bit of facial hair, and they look really earnest or whatever, and they'll have the most angry woman with them who's glaring around through her horn room glasses because she needs to get <laughs> fucked right <laughs> you know and she probably well, is well, sleeping with some like biker else. dude on the side yeah. yeah right right yeah somebody a little more you know got a little bit of spark a yeah toxic a little excited yeah someone toxic exactly so carter do you think that labeling all the masculinity toxic combined with trying to take away guns, combining with demonizing, you know, white people in general as the patriarchal oppressors. Uh, yeah. do, you, do you think that all plays in together? Is this the Marxist thing to make us a more placid and defeatable kind of a country? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, you can't have... Look, the fact is... Uh, Male aggression, which is part of masculinity, is is a necessary requirement for any kind of resistance. And it's frankly, it was necessary for building Western civilization. So, uh, you know, you've got to get rid of that. And and their view is, uh, you know, they think a matriarchy is is would be this, you know, blissful ideal. Whereas, you know, the matriarchy really means it's a matriarchy for a few years. And then, frankly, uh, the imams take over and, and we're back to square one. I mean, that's that's what a matriarchy is. Yeah, um, I, we're, we're, yeah, not, not only, it's like you're talking just, square one, civilization wise, right? Yeah, yeah, we just, yeah. we don't oppose anything, we like, okay, fine, and like, great, so, you know, the, the worst people on the planet take over, because look, you can't eradicate masculinity, if you eradicate the good guys, the, 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 the males in Western civilization are by and large, they use their aggression for the betterment of women and civilization generally, but uh, if mean, you, you eradicate the them... Vote. Guess who the hell is going to come in? There are some really toxic, horrible guys out there in the world, and they're going to take over. If you outlaw masculinity, then only outlaws will be masculine. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. That's true. I guess that's the whole idea. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and there's, there is no respect. You can see it. There's no respect for um, any of the good things that masculinity has brought to Western civilization. Um, and and there's this kind of you can also see it in why they don't criticize uh, Islam or radical Islam at all. Right. They they're very careful to not say anything negative about um, the Islamic world. And the fact is, in terms of aggression, uh, you know, they're dialed up to 11 uh, yeah. and, yeah. They, you know, they don't give a crap about feminism. And, you, don't get, uh, you don't get much more uh, toxic than cutting the clitoris off of a 12 year old girl. Yeah. Right. No, about, no. Or Muhammad's wife was nine. <laughs> like, yeah. come on. This yeah. is not. 
isn't this brilliant though, how they've engineered this belief system because they set it up so that you can't, if you're a, a true believer SJW, there's all these rules that are introduced to you and they're introduced slowly, at least in my case they were, and you can't criticize radical Islam. It's Islamophobic. So they completely cut off your frame of vision to where you don't even acknowledge when things like that are happening, like the general emulation. Yeah. Can you imagine? I, I imagine SJWs like these waiters who are carrying trays and trying to balance all these dishes and stuff, and, and eventually, <laughs> you know, they fall. And but uh, you know, they'll be propped up by all their friends and, and everything. It's it doesn't make any sense to go. No, you cannot criticize Islam uh, because it's it's uh, you know. Uh, wrong it's islamophobic to do that and that's their culture you know what i mean our gripe is not with the islamists it's with the white patriarchs that we, and by the way uh we have uh, much more all the terrorism in the country is done by white people uh and white men it's like why that's a statistic i don't know uh, how do you define that it, it's it's ridiculous but they they can't have us criticizing well, everything because... i read in buzzfeed i just count up those articles so <laughs> oh right buzzfeed yes <laughs> <laughs> they, they're infallible i mean they they are buzzfeed might never be right you know that might be their thing like uh, <laughs> You know what? What you know? It's it's really a telling thing when you said before that like how many more Nazis there are now and how like you know they they they're so quick to call people that because like if you if there's one thing that they have as a tactic it's to accuse other people of doing what they're doing. Yes. Yeah. They are mass so much projection. Projection. Yeah. Yes. And because, so um, and, and they're calling that, people. Go ahead. Just that they, they are actual Nazis. Yeah, they call people Nazis while behaving like them, while supporting censorship. While and it's like, do you not realize that your words don't match your actions? I mean, what what would it be like if we all tried to? I tried have started trying to do this in the past couple of years is to make sure that my actions, as best I can, reflect my beliefs, and that's a way to keep myself in check so that I don't so that I don't engage in the bad behavior I'm perfectly capable of as human. So, and, and, but people don't do that. Or at least when I was in the SJW ideology, we didn't do, there's no focus on, it's all about the external. At, there's something wrong with the all of the world, but it's, there's nothing, there's no solutions in, internally. It's all about fixing the world, but not about like, how do I keep myself? Like, how do I make sure I have integrity and I'm not, um, they don't see it. They're, that's they're a, but that's that, that's an important part of the philosophy because, like, you as an individual don't even matter, you know. So that's yeah. why they can live with that because they've been trained to believe that, like, well, what I think and believe and do, for that matter, it doesn't really matter. What's important is the groups and society as a whole, and mm -hmm. thinking on this level that you can never change, really. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you can't get rid of masculinity uh you can't even get rid of something like racism although people can be trained to behave better and they have you know uh i think over the decades so like once you get that individual that concern for them out of them it's like not only does it help them uh you know to like project outward or whatever but it keeps that they don't have to ever look at themselves which is another part of the addiction i think is because like this is a philosophy that means you don't ever have to question yourself so long as you're yeah. being sufficiently critical of everybody else yeah no you that's spot on and and i would say philosoph so i would say that's the like the 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 psychology of the philosophy is is you know never never do any introspection or be self-critical and I, I think the philosophical goal is just frankly i think it's just nihilism because you know we can talk about what they kind of want 
But I don't think they want anything in particular other than the destruction of Western civilization. And philosophically, that just means the destruction of the Enlightenment values, which are individualism, right, and and freedom from oppression, like freedom from the state, basically. And as long as that dies, I don't really think they care which particular brand of authoritarianism rules them, as long as they you know they think they'll be in power, I guess. But um, that's what it is. It's an attack on the Enlightenment values, and that's why I don't even think this is a political war. This is a philosophical or cultural war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's one that that like even some of the the people who are the most uh, active you know fighters in it are not aware that they're in. Yeah, you know, they, they, it's 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 like a it's a really strange thing the way they've hijacked people's brains and they have like a bunch of Manchurian candidates or whatever or like a you know they're Kool Aid drinkers all of them you know. And some of them are like uh, really good at drinking Kool Aid, you know, and like uh, damning other people uh, in the process. It's it's like uh, it, they figure like if hey, if belief is good enough for me to, uh, it, it, but you know what? Uh, actually, to temper that praise a little bit, um, it's not a particularly hard philosophy to master. Uh, as <laughs> no, it, it's it's enabling you. It's like a, a broken child with psychological trauma. It's just saying you don't have to deal with your trauma. Blame everyone else. It's 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 a yeah, it's a <laughs> like view of the world. Yeah, it's, you know. it's it's like training these yeah these like broken kids to go fight in a pit bull ring. You know, I mean, this exactly. is the only thing that gives your life meaning. This is yeah. It. Yeah, I guess there must be a couple people at the top who are going to be counting money at the end of this whole thing. <laughs> I well, think. I don't. I mean, I that's not clear. I don't know. Have you ever seen the Yuri Brezmanov stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, 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 I have. Yeah, uh, the uh, dissident, right? The uh, he, yeah, he, de- he defected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and he, his his uh, he laid out the plan that the Soviet Union used to use, and and his point was all these people who help bring about the the destruction of the culture and who think they're going to be in charge, counting the money at the end of the day, they're the first people to get executed when the like the actual. Marxists come in because we don't when the need actual revolution right? happens. Yeah. yeah, we don't need people who actually like, you know, try and make change. They're a pain in the ass. So. Idealists be damned. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. The, the true believers, I think we talked about this, the true believers like I was, the people who are in it because they really believe they're doing good and they have, you need, get out of it because you're the first to get the bullet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, well, to them, it looks like they're being eaten last because all those people that they hated, you know, are already yeah. gone. So, so long as they, I think they just want to make it into the, you know, that uh, great utopia that will be, you know, as soon as all of us shut up and die. Uh, <laughs> I, like, the, yeah, the people, nobody's going to be counting. Maybe you're right. Yeah. But that Yuri guy, uh, uh, what was his last name again? Brezmanov? Yeah. Yeah. The, the one who uh, defected and, and he was talking about the four steps. And the yes. first step is demoralization, which is mm-hmm. such a really appropriate term for what's been going on. And and he was this was in the 80s when he was t- saying this on Canadian TV. And he goes, yeah, stage one demoralization. And that is nearing completion, you know, and that was 30 years ago. You know, so we, yeah. it's 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 taken people a long time to uh, even begin to catch on to this stuff, because talking about communism and all this crap is what we did back in the Rambo days. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, Oh, we beat yeah. that. Right. But yeah. It just and it makes you feel it. like, a, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like a, a weird conspiracy theorist. If I start talking about communism and it's like, I don't, I don't actually think that there's communists out there doing this now. I mean, or at least not self-identified. This isn't coming from a communist party somewhere. It's just this philosophy did not go away. Yeah, the Soviet Union collapsed, but we haven't defeated the philosophy by any means. It never left 
academia. It just got relabeled and rebranded, and we're still dealing with it, which is why we have censorship of comedy, which is why we're having this discussion. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and that's why. But, you know, you'll, you will notice, though, like you said, the philosophy is the important part. It hasn't changed. It just doesn't really have a name, and it comes in social justice here because they, they brand it for the uh, – people they're selling it to like they can go ahead and say communism in venezuela or something maybe or whatever their party is you know i mean like they mm-hmm. uh but but here oh, they yeah. have to they have to sell it as something caring you know it has to be something that is oh my god just so emotionally because they know how we are you know we're basket cases over here filled with guilds and filled with like all this emotional baggage and they use that uh it's it's brilliant that is the way to it's attack brilliant. us attack us through our hearts you through know your and, compassion yeah, and use and using your compassion against you is something borderline people do very well. Yes, <laughs> it's totally manipulative, and you're right. It is they do use it very well. I mm. the thing that bothers me the most, and I think the thing that I wish if I could red pill people on like one small thing, it would be um, the idea that um, your compassion needs to be divorced from your reason. Because I think, frankly, I I'm a I'm a minimalist. The government, you know, I, I want the smallest government possible. I think that's a more compassionate position, um, but uh, it's if you just have compa- compassion only in the moment, and you don't, and you divorce it from your ability to like think long term and actually use reason to to think about the consequences and the principles behind things. You know, you implement things that actually are not compassionate at all. So it's this inversion of the idea of compassion. It's like, well, you're compassionate only if you pretend that. You know, we don't only if you suspend reason, suspend long term thought, you know, planning, suspend uh, any kind of philosophical principles. Only then are you compassionate. Only if it's like a whimsical in the moment decision to make someone mm-hmm. feel good and appease them right now by giving them more heroin. That's the only thing that's compassionate. <laughs> and in a way, though, what you're saying is, is that like they have successfully divorced compassion and intellect, you know, by making one uh, completely you they don't use their intellect to inform their compassion at all to go like, wait, mm-hmm. hold on. You know, I mean, these are supposed to one keeps the other in check, perhaps in certain situations. You have to understand and aim your compassion appropriately. Use your brain, you know, to figure out like, well, wait, okay. Because in in compassion, I guess the idea is you would be compassionate equally to everyone if possible. Although I think there's always a tendency to go towards your tribe or something. I don't know if you could ever get that completely out of people. But it doesn't mean it it doesn't conquer all. It doesn't, you know. uh, So like feeling compassion in a larger sense it's a very good point, like what you just said, because, you know, giving heroin to somebody who is a, a heroin addict is is not a compassionate thing to do. And it's also not compassionate for the rest of us. You know, it, it, like yeah, if, right. if you have these shoot ups, uh, you know, uh, locations or whatever, and you end up with all these people who are selling crap on blankets outside of uh, public buildings and shit, like in Vancouver, I think I've seen some of that. It's, uh, you know, liberal uh little cities like and liberal big cities they 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 wind up with all these like weird problems that really should not be so oh. hard to, to solve hey it's we've got crap we have literal shit all over the streets in san francisco because yeah. uh we're so compassionate yeah i had, I had a uh the other day so here in austin austin's becoming like a, a little california i had yeah. a friend who made a, a good 
a joke, Pat. He was like, uh, but but Carrie, because there's so many Californians coming here, and he was like, but Carrie, true California hasn't uh, hasn't worked, hasn't been tried yet. Maybe it'll work in Austin. <laughs> like, <laughs> true. <laughs> we haven't seen true California yet, and so uh, that's great. <laughs> Californianism, yeah, it's so true. Yeah, that's and 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 people. The the funny thing is, is they come there from California to escape California. California. Yeah, so, they're coming to Texas to get away from all that bureaucratic red tape. Maybe be yeah. able to run a build build a business or build a house. And now uh, they come there and try to remake uh, Texas and California's image. So last week I met a couple who lives in my small Texas town. I live north of Austin, and uh, they're from California, like me. And they said. They said they just assumed I was liberal. A lot of people do, you know, and I am a liberal. I'm just not a leftist. Right. And uh, so they were like, uh, they were basically happy. They're gleeful. They're like, you know, even our small town is, which is used to be primarily Republican. It's changed. And they were like, it's becoming more blue. And, and uh, there's a lot of Californians coming. We could use more California and Texas, if you know what I mean. And I'm like, I don't know what you mean. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Cause you just got finished telling me that you left California because it had become unlivable. So why are you trying to recreate it here? I don't get it. Yeah, you came to a better place, you <laughs> yeah. know, and, and now you're like, yeah, hey, we need to, we need to California you guys up a little bit here. <laughs> Not enough feces on the streets. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's you have enough no... in your big cities, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, your crime rate's too low. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's because there's no connection between like if there's no long term thinking, the left has zero long term thinking, at least it's kind of at the at the level of the the everyday person on the left. Mm-hmm. Maybe the, the leaders do, but You're there's right. no long term thinking at all. Zero complete lack of it. And it's required because long term thinking would involve like knowing that, oh, this doesn't work. Uh, this philosophy killed 100 million people just this century, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Eventually, you know, yeah. I mean, like if, if being hard on crime is compassionate. Being, uh, you know, right. like like helping uh, people discover, you know, the, the, the power that is important. Criminals are bad people. Uh, you know, they're not all like these, like, uh, misunderstood oh, who grew up in the wrong way and, and like, you know, whatever. And they, they never had a chance. And they, because of, you know what, we've leveraged it against them this way. We created this and say, like, no, some people just commit crime and, and they, it's not compassionate to set a guy free without bail on his, you know, 30th assault arrest. Uh, nice. and, and yet, you know, and New York is like worse than California on some of this too. I mean, like really, really like liberal judges who you know i mean like they're thought of as liberal uh who who just don't believe that that there's any bad people or anybody who could reoffend, you know and yeah. they're, and they're not held responsible for any of that meanwhile every police officer who you know takes his uh who yells or takes his uh firearm his weapon out you know to take care of a problem is uh you know some kind of fascist stormtrooper i mean like the last thing a cop wants to do ever is shoot anybody because uh, you know what they don't want to lose their jobs or they don't want to like uh, have the Kill trauma somebody. they don't want anybody dead yeah i mean like they save lives they give mouth to mouth to children and the projects and whatever you know if that if that's something that's still done and i'm talking about you know during work hours and, and in an appropriate situation <laughs> but like they, they these are people they go into the most difficult places and do the most difficult job and yet they're shit on so freely you know by people that don't even give it a thought to just say like oh yeah i'm murdering the unarmed black men uh you know that that whole hands up don't shoot was a lie eric holder you know the ag of the country went to ferguson 
looked at the whole thing. If anybody's going to be able to find something wrong with it, it's going to be him. And it came out clean. And yet people will still go, what about Ferguson? And, you know, if you have any long term thinking, you can remember that or you would have, you know, you can sort of plug that into the overall equation. But they go, it doesn't matter because it's the overall truth that matters more than anything. And so if it's a rallying point, that's fine. It's the narrative that matters more than anything. Yeah. Um, right. But what a yeah, it's in California. My wife was just telling me, I guess we've passed. This is not on the level of murder, but uh, I guess there's some law now where like I don't know if it's all California or just locally. They've they've said we're not gonna we're not gonna convict anyone who steals less than eight hundred dollars worth of property. And so, like, what has happened? There's like some guys. You're just reading an article. Some guys like been before the judge thirteen times, and he just keeps like, eh, there's no big deal, right? I mean, they just they keep, like, <laughs> like what gee, do you do? You like walk up to this up? <laughs> Excuse me. How much was that phone? Seven hundred ninety nine dollars. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, what a what a terrible message to send. You know what I mean? Right. That, that that the possessions of of people who can't afford stuff that's over eight hundred dollars don't matter. Yeah. Wait, what a yeah. what an incredibly disrespectful law to pass. That's that is a, that's amazing. Yeah, and it's the that no long term consequence. It's just no long term thought. Like, there's no they yeah. they don't understand that like this sets up an incentive and people's behavior changes and this is what it will change to, right? And there's no, there's also a willful blindness to uh, any of the, the hidden costs, right? They never, there's like, oh, I have compassion for the guy we let out of jail, but not for the future victims that we haven't met yet or seen in the news, right? Because well, we don't see them. Very right? racist, very racist of you to say that as I'm sure would be their response. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you assume that just I, because- I didn't say anything about race. No, well, I know, but like, that's all they have. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a very I'm also well a Nazi reasoned... then in that case you might as well it's, throw it in. <laughs> no, I mean like hey, as a fellow <laughs> racist and Nazi, you know, understand I'm saying it with love, but you know, it comes that's the uh you made a very nuanced and good point, you know, that people are, you know, obviously uh unaware of the fact that like yeah, there's gonna be victims, that's the idea. You know, they're they're sort of like saying, Hey, you're gonna be a victim and we're not going to ignore we're not gonna do anything about it unless you have like a significant amount uh, stolen from you. I mean, like, uh, okay, if, if it's true that a lot of petty crime, I, mean, like, I, I assume the reason for that law is because petty theft laws uh, disproportionately affect minority communities or something, right? I don't know the reason, but I, I would assume that with you. Okay, yeah. so let's say if that's the assumption, then what they're doing is kind of creating a petty theft uh reparations sort of you know uh method where like you know we're not going to punish anybody for you know just taking something from you so you know right but it also it, it hurts that there it hurts people who are also poor many of whom are disproportionately non-white uh, because if someone steals 800 dollars from someone living in a five million dollar house it's it's not a big deal but if someone steals 800 dollars from from someone who has $840 in their bank account. That's <laughs> right. like, that's the that's a big deal. Yeah. 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 You're very right. You know, but that's, again, you're using your brain and, 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 and mixing it up. You know, it, it, it's, it's just, man, I, if, I think that must be appealing to be in that camp because you can leave your brain at home. In fact, you must leave your brain at home in order to uh, subscribe to that philosophy. What, how relaxing that must be, you know, to be so convicted of all your beliefs, you know, and, and just by reading it someplace and saying, yeah, that's what I think. It's, it, and I'm not, you know, the problem is they don't ever get to enjoy it, really. You know what I mean? 
because they don't recognize that that's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. They think they're working hard to uh, change the world, I guess, or whatever. But, you know, like that, the show that I talk about sometimes and promote to too woke to F it, it yep. has all it, it, it's a it's a show that I think deserves attention because like it takes all these assumptions that, you, that we're talking about to the logical point of, uh, you know, conclusion. Uh, and and uh, when you do that, it, it's a very uh, interesting thought experiment. And uh, yeah, it's on uh, iTunes or whatever. Too woke, too f. And it's using the number two. Uh, too woke, too f. Uh, it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's interesting in that way because uh, you'll never hear you'll never hear a couple of guys who are more divorced from self awareness or you know convinced that they're uh, in the wrong about everything for being uh, you know uh, the white guys that they are. Huh. Yeah, Carrie, you said you uh, you've heard that show before. I had to run away for a second. I'm sorry. There's someone at my door. <laughs> oh. So, uh, wait. So, what? What? What show are you talking about? Too woke to f. Oh yeah, it's uh, it makes me think of uh, Titania McGrath, who's yeah. also super woke. <laughs> well, yeah, and probably big allies. Book out about woke or something. She yeah. does. Do you guys remember? Are you um? Do you remember God Godfrey Elfwick? Either of no, you, so. you have, I do, I do. Godfrey yeah. Elfwick got um, banned, which is hard to understand because he's so woke. But uh, he was like, he was wrong skin. He was on Twitter and he was basically like, uh, I forget. He was like trans abled and trans race and Muslim atheist. I do remember <laughs> like, that. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Muslim atheist. Uh, yes. <laughs> so great. Uh, yeah, you have to embody all that stuff to be right 100% of the time. Yeah. And as Carter and I have pointed out before, to get back to the mental health thing, a lot of times they put that in their bio. Like, they, it's a part of their SJW identity because especially, like, if you're a white guy and wanting to have some victim status, it's like, what easier way to do that than to be either trans or to have some type of mental health issue or to be atheist because they count yeah. that as one. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, differently abled because you're going to go to hell, I guess, you know, but like... Uh, Wait, differently I I, abled is the thing? You can't just say disabled? Differently abled now, I think, is the... Yeah. <laughs> disabled uh, is a diss, I guess. Now. I can't put yeah. lame. lame. Oh, they, lame. I'm retarded and lame. I'll put that in. Uh, yeah. Uh, Carter, lame, lame so is much. one of the ones they attack. Absolutely, you can't say lame. They have an entire... There's, a, there's an article that came out last year that said it was like six seemingly innocuous phrases that are actually deeply racist and you shouldn't use. I think it was a bustle piece. And it was stuff that you, it was like a, a long time no see. They said, this is racist because it's making fun of, it has its origins in making, maybe making fun of Native American, Native Americans who couldn't speak proper English, long time no see. And oh. I'm like, here's the thing. Oh. I was sure you're going to go for blind people on that one. I, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but they, but they what, take you these things. They take these things that don't have any, like, if let's say they did have a racist past, we don't know about that today, and nobody uses them in a racist way. So why would you then make them racist again? So we can fight about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to create, just, you know, this chaos, you know? How can you ever settle such a thing? Is yeah. it okay to say long time no see? Or is it the most, you know, anti-Native uh, American thing you could do? Well, that's a stupid argument that they want us to spend time on, you know? And, and yeah. like, that. but the point you bring up is important, you know? Because, like, 
Yeah. It, what are you even doing? And that's the whole, I think that that's the design behind it, but look how far they have to go to rake up something that's that they can you know present as true racism or oppression or something back to long time. No see did that <laughs> back to the, all the way back to the origins of the United States. Oh my God, please. It's like a self parody. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Right. I mean, they, you can find fault with anything, and you can. All, that also means, I think, the subtext of that is that you're walking around saying all sorts of insensitive, racist things all the time without knowing it. You should be quiet. You should be quiet. That's what they yeah, want. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's you your. Say and it's, it's original sin in the sense of like you're guilty. Like you're just guilty. So shut up. And and was, and write a check. Yeah, please. Um. Well, so I guys, I have to leave soon. I have to get to. Um, a, yeah, we, we kind of just let this show but keep going. I, it was fun, fun, though. It was fun, oh. but I, I wanted to leave on a positive note, maybe. Uh, uh, <laughs> do you think, Pat, that the tide is kind of, because sometimes Carter and I think, and I think sometimes that the tide is turning, that like maybe people are getting, if you look at the Covington thing, and if you look at the Jesse Smollett thing, that like the public is is waking up to this ideology, like all the normie people who are out there are learning about it and are like, screw this. I, do you kind of think the tide is turning a bit against yeah. it? Well, the more people who have kids that are convicted of crimes when, you know, they're harassed by somebody and just defend their property, stuff like that. You know, I mean, at some point, yeah, it, you do awake that what, the sleeping giant or whatever, you know, the, the people that are out there who don't agree with this. Most people don't. Most people don't. And keep that in mind. I wish advertisers would keep that in mind. I wish big corporations yeah. would keep that in mind and stop running scared from every uh, campaign that's designed to make you fire somebody who didn't do anything wrong. Uh, it, it's uh, maybe the tide is turning, you know, I, it would be nice if there was some kind of a new awakening. Cause can you imagine right now, if there weren't leftists doing all this shit, how much fun this would be right now? Yeah. Things are pretty Absolutely. good. You know? Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah, let's hope that that's the case. And and until then, if you're out there, anybody who, who is kind of like not speaking up about any of this stuff or whatever, you know, fear is the enemy uh, that they use, and and it's the weapon that they use. And like, if you if you speak up afraid, you're not going to speak up well, and you're not going to speak up with conviction. You know, so become convicted of the things that you hold are, uh, as opinions. You know, become convicted of what is actually true, and stick to your objective, not your objective reality, to objective reality, and your understanding of that. You know, as and use that as your source of strength, and like know that really, you know. There's nothing they can do if you live out in the open. I love that. That's a great way to end the show, Pat. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. Can you Thanks remind people where they can go to, to check out your stuff one last time? Absolutely, yeah. CrimeReport.nyc. There's a lot of my podcasts there. Uh, and uh, that's that's uh, CrimeReport.nyc. Or follow me on Twitter at Pat Dixon, P-A-T-D-I-X-O-N. Thanks for having me. This is a great show, and uh, I'm sure you guys are going to go on for a long run. We really, uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so Thank much you, for uh, for joining us. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and sorry for the technical issues uh, at the beginning, and sorry to the audience for the technical issues at the beginning. But I That's think enough sorries. Finally worked. I know someone <laughs> in the chat told me to stop uh, feeling bad about it, but I, I can't. Uh, I'm a white man, and I am guilty. Uh, so that's just the way it is. Just give thank yous. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your patience. Please go to unsafespace.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at unsafespace. Or if you're a Gab user, you can go to unsafe uh, on Gab, and we'll try and maybe be on it more often. So thanks, everyone, and we'll see you uh, next week. Bye-bye.